Welcome to episode six of the Cranky Fan Podcast on the FL Teams podcast and YouTube channel. I am your host, the Cranky Fan, and as usual, we are sponsored by no one. Oh well. Um, uh, today we have we're keeping it in the family today, the FL Teams family. I have Jeff Macalino with me, who was so nice to have me on his shows before we got this thing ramped up, and I wanted to return the favor. Uh, today is Monday, August 1st. It is trade deadline day, and there's a lot to talk about. And as we were recording at 5.08 Eastern Daylight Savings Time, as we were looking at Twitter, as we're scrolling through Twitter, we just see a, a major move. Well, I don't know if I'd call it major as far as changing the results of the playoff picture this year, but the Rays have just DFA'd Brett Phillips. Um, Jeff, you were, you were scrolling Twitter. What do you see? Yeah, it looks like uh, – so my assumption is the Rays are trading a non-40-man roster player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the report is they're getting center fielder Jose Siri from the Astros as part of a three-team trade with the Orioles. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that relates to Trey Mancini being traded from the Orioles to the Astros. Um, yeah. Because that came out not too long ago. Jose Siri, by the way, looking at him, um, the first thing that jumped out is he has a 0.8 wins above replacement level for the season while he's batting 178 with a 238 on base percentage. So I assume this is a glove move, um, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's younger, but we're, we're just rearranging more deck chairs on the Titanic. It's all we're doing. I mean, We've made three deals now in the last two weeks for guys hitting under 200 this year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we're, we're adding a lot of bad bats. <laughs> yeah. My stance has been for the last several weeks that I, you know, at some point you just can't overcome the amount of injuries we had. And if you want to call that an excuse, fine, but it's the truth. And right. teams like the Yankees and the Astros, they're a piece or two away. They had to make a deal because they needed one piece. You need a right-handed bat, for example, or they need another starting pitcher. They don't need to replace six guys in their in their lineup. They don't need to replace four bullpen guys. They don't need to replace, you know, two outfielders. They just need pieces. And I think they're acting appropriately, and I think they're making the right moves for the run. And I, I, I to me, when there's too much to replace this year, there's no sense in depleting your your farm system when the window is open for the next couple of years with this team. So I think, okay, these are window dressing moves. Fine. They're not making that much of a difference, but really why bother? I don't know. I, so I like the David Peralta trade. Me too. Um, because we get, you know, given up a 19 year old catcher, you know, the odds of him actually, being anything or slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like adding at least uh, a, a competent bat to the lineup. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, some of these other moves are, I, and who knows what we gave up in this trade. I'm not seeing from just a pure statistical. I mean, his batting numbers looked good last year. He had 49 plate appearances, so that doesn't mean anything. Um he uh he had a 956 OPS and 49 plate appearances, but you know anybody can close their eyes and 
I mean, maybe not close their eyes and get a 946 OPS, but <laughs> no, you know, nonetheless, 49 plate appearances doesn't say anything. So maybe they think he has more upside than Phillips. And I think we've seen Phillips's upside already. I mean, um, Brett Phillips in, in, in a different universe has a perfect role in this team. You know, yeah. we don't lose Margot, we don't lose KK, you know. He's got a perfect role in this team as being a late inning defensive replacement and, uh, you know, a base stealing, a guy who can come in and, 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 you know, a pinch running thing. But yeah, unfortunately for him, he had to play five out of seven days a week against righties and lefties. And I'm sorry, nice guy, you know, local guy, all that. I, I get all that, but you know something, this isn't little league, right? This isn't, you know, our kids are playing. These are, we're trying to win a world series and this team is good enough. I get it with the injuries, but we're trying to win a championship and Oh, well, I mean, just because you had an, an, an incredible one in a million hit two years ago in the world series doesn't mean you get a lifetime pass. And so, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm looking, I'm scrolling through Twitter right now and people are in shock. They're furious or upset. It's like, he's a backup, backup outfielder at best. Who's not a very good, who can't hit. Look, if if Josh Lowe didn't continue to make boneheaded plays all the time, Brett Phillips probably would have been DFA'd in the Peralta move instead of Lowe being sent down because Josh Lowe is starting to look pretty comfortable at the plate to me. Like, I kind of think it was – part of me is like he deserves to be sent down because he just uh, – the, the inside the park home run off his face was disgusting. I just the, think – Being picked off the next game was I, – I think they have very high hopes for Josh Lowe. I really do. Yeah. I don't want, I don't think they want to make the same mistake they did with, with his brother – uh, you know, yeah. guys that they, they've given up too early on, but I also think they want him to play every day. And I think that, you know, they, I just don't think they think he's ready yet. I, I, I think they, I think they made a, a big mistake in the off season last year, thinking he was ready and he wasn't. I mean, they basically Austin Meadows trade was made for him to play every day and it didn't work right. out and that's fine. I mean, everybody's development in the minors from 2020 until this year has been screwed up in one way or another guys have been mm -hmm. delayed. They didn't get to play at all in 2020. You know, people got moved up a year ahead of where they should be. We, we talked about Wander Franco probably moved up a little faster than he probably was really ready to. Um, and I think they just want him to play every day. And I think now they've made the decision. We're going to kind of go for it this year. We think we could, if we just can get in, Knowing all the, you know, the pitchers that are coming back, you know, the, the Nick Andersons and the Chargois are coming back and maybe uh, Tyler Glasnow can come in back, maybe not in the rotation, but maybe give you an inning and a shot. They believe like I believe that just get in. Yeah. You know, once you can just get in pitching is going to, you know, that's how they're going to advance if they get in with pitching. So, you know, they'd rather have Jocelyn thinking of the big picture Send him back to Durham for the last month. Play every day. Get your at bats. Get your confidence. Uh, you know, come back in September. Maybe we, he's a late addition to the, the uh, postseason roster if necessary. If not, we start over next year. This is not again not a team where the window is shutting after this year, right? And it's a very fine line. I mean, they're certainly not, you know, giving up. They're they're not sellers, which is smart, but they're not really buyers. They're just little things around the margins. I still don't think it means anything with these moves. Is the team really better right now than it was two months ago? Who's healthy? I'm not talking about the injured guys. 
Uh, aside from Peralta, I don't think. No, I don't. I don't think no. any. Now, look, uh, this is the kind of move that the Rays make, and Jose Siri might come out and and you know hit 400 for the rest of the season. We'll say what geniuses in this front office. They knew it the whole time. Uh, which you know, look, the Rays more than any other franchise it seems in the past. Five to yeah, ten I'm gonna, years have that happen. <laughs> I'm actually going to do a show in a couple of weeks. I may even wait till the season's over of kind of analyzing all the moves they've done in the last five years. And is it really, oh, everything they do touches to gold, turns to gold? Not really. You know, for every move where they fleece the Pirates, they get fleeced by the Padres or they get fleeced by the Giants. You know, so, I mean, that's that's an off-season assignment for me. But, you know, the, the perception around it. Yeah, the perception around baseball is don't trade with those guys. They'll hose you. But it's well, it, more than with, not, but not. With bullpen arms, I, my yeah. guess would be with bullpen arms, they're going back to, to trading. I think it was Seth McClung for Grant Balfour. Right. Turned into, I mean, in 2008, he was one of the most dominant relief pitchers in, in history. Him and Soriano uh, together were fantastic. Yeah, no, they and and the Dan Wheeler Ty Wigington trade turned out mm -hmm. great for the Rays too. Uh, not that Wigington was a bad player at all; they just needed Dan Wheeler in that bullpen. Uh, but I, I will say, I, I think the interesting thing would be my guess would be most they probably win more trades than they lose. The free agency, though, I think they probably lose way more than they win. Thinking of again going back, this is before. This is when the current general manager and, and decision makers were interns working at my level with the race. Um, well, here's my analogy. And if I offend anybody tough, if I'm going shopping for clothes to go out on a Saturday night and I go to the Walmart bargain bin, am I picking up any good looking girls? Or if I go shopping at the mall and go to the high end stores and get a really fancy shirt and really nice shoes and really nice pants, if I go to a bar or a club, there's a better chance I'm going to get somebody's number. Now, of course, I'm showing my age because now people just swipe to get dates. But I mean, that's my point is free agency. I don't expect to do well because we're we're not shopping with the big boys. We're we're, right. we're trying to save our money and we, we don't have we only have a small allowance we get each year from our uh, from our parents. What wasn't that so odd, though, this past offseason when we took such a big swing at Freddie Freeman and offered him the. Well, here's my what, theory. 250 million or something. Here's my theory. 2027, this lease is over. Yeah. In the trap. 2028, they're playing somewhere else. Whether it's a new stadium in Tampa, a new stadium in St. Pete, a new stadium in Charlotte. And the revenue problems, why this team is a small revenue team, should be going away. And I think if they stay in the Tampa-St. Pete area the decade-long deal about a new cable deal will finally be settled. And then they could say, okay, we're locked in. Oh, Tampa's the 10th biggest TV market in the country, in the, in the third biggest state in the country. Revenues are going to go exponentially up in a few years. So I think once that's settled and determined, you could start planning in the future for contracts. I mean, the Wander Franco deal kicks in. When does the big money kick in? 26 yeah yeah closer to when the revenues are coming in and then by then you know there might be a whole different deal with 
dig- digital revenue from you know MLB TV, you know ESPN will probably overspend in Fox. So there's more money coming to these teams, but it's no longer the great abyss where we're just a small market team and we're screwed forever. So you're starting to see, you know, more investment by ownership because they know there'll be more return on it coming, you know, sooner than later. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I've always. I've always felt a little guilty because, again, I I worked for the Rays for five seasons Mm -hmm. and I met Stu Sternberg and he seems like one of the nicest people on the Mm -hmm. planet. But my insult to him and I'm a I'm a big time capitalist. Make your money. That's you know, but my thing with sports is always like, yeah, you should get in it to win. You shouldn't care about making money. Like it's just, you know, again, it's the, it goes counter to everything I believe in outside of sports, but it's like, right. Come on. You're here to win. Uh, I think the difference between Jeffrey Vick with lightning and Stu Sternberg with the Rays uh, has always stood as a kind of a sharp contrast where one guy moved here, invested tons of money uh in the you know tampa area now Stu sternberg though doesn't get credit he bought the tampa bay rowdies uh yeah i mean but also vinnick's a billionaire oh yeah with a b you know sternberg was a multi-millionaire and he's also the principal partner of a partnership group that bought the Rays too we're also talking now 15 years ago 16 years ago he bought that team for like 300 million Baseball yeah. teams are worth a heck of a lot more now. So he's not a billionaire who just has money to burn. I mean, a lot of his wealth is tied up in the value of this team. It's kind of like thinking about if you're, you know, you bought a house 30 years ago and you bought it for $100,000 and it's now worth 800000 Are like you a millionaire? where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 are you a millionaire? Can you go out and like, hey, you know, I'm buying... You know, I'm going to Burns every night because I'm worth eight hundred thousand. Well, on paper you are, but you don't have the cash to. And also, if you're, you tell me one businessman who, in a business that's probably, if it's not losing money, it's just barely breaking even. Who's just going to just throw money in and throw cash poor bad money after good money? The value of the team keeps going up, but the cash flows certainly aren't. Not until they get a new stadium. So it's right. like, and everybody he gets the blame, like, oh, he's cheap. It's like, you it's know, listen, I I own the bar up in Gainesville, and that bar didn't make any money. Am I supposed to just keep putting bad money after good? No, that's not business. That's not investing. Your right. ROI is negative that way. And to credit him, I know for a fact he lost money uh, between improvements to Tropicana Field and a couple of maybe impulsive decisions uh, as far as trades and free agency signings that, but even that, so I'm giving him credit. I'm giving him credit as, as he does want to win. I think that's just, Oh, absolutely. I I think it's a, uh, a bad, I think it's a misread as far as the public goes, including myself is that I, he does want to win. He will say, yes, I we're beyond budget. I'm going to lose money, but I want to trade for, uh, he, this market you know. has never got it and never will get it. And this is where I get into right. a lot of fights with my, you know, I lived in, t- in the Tampa Bay area for 15 years. Obviously, I'm still a Rays fan. Obviously, I'm still a Lightning fan. You know, I'm a Gator. 
but, and I've lived up here now, lived in New York now for 21 years. The differences between fan bases is night and day. The, the rate, the Tampa Bay market feels that everything should be as cheap as possible and they deserve it that it should be like, you know, they have the college night where tickets are five bucks or 10 bucks or something. And they're like, why isn't that every night? Just look at the listing of saying how much a family of four going to a baseball game where Tampa Bay fits in that pecking order of major league cities. If you want to be a major league city, you have to pay. It sucks that, you know, contracts are so high, but you know, it's, that's what the price is to be that. And everybody doesn't have to sit two rows behind home plate. If you can't afford to sit there, nobody has to say, and you have to get your kids 12 things of cotton candy for every game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are different price points for things to go, but the the market down there just thinks that they're entitled to all of these things. And that's not the way it works. It's, you know, my dad grew up in New York and he talked about the, or New Jersey, I should say. And he talked about mm. all the trains and subways he had to get to get yeah. to a Yankees game. I also think there's a little entitlement with, Aside from some of the design standpoints of Tropicana Field, I've always thought complaining constantly about the location or this or that. First of all, you've lived here long enough to know the Rays cannot play in an outdoor stadium without at least a retractable roof or half their games would be postponed. Uh, It just is not feasible. Uh, I also always enjoyed it as a kid and still now getting to go sit in a nice, cool place, 72 degrees. I don't. I don't want to sit in the hot sun on a especially on if you're a, a fan base that day. Do, especially if you're a fan base that doesn't know better. I mean, a lot of people like you know, you know I, I know there's a lot of transplants who are from New York, Boston, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, but there are also a lot of people now who lived in New York in the Tampa area their whole lives. There's generation now of mm-hmm. kids, and they don't know, you know, the, all they know is going to the trough. They don't know what it's like to go to a game in Cleveland or you know, Pittsburgh or something. So what's the difference if it's indoors or outdoors? Um, it, it's, it's location. It's all it is. is the simple fact. It's just location. And I even had, a, I had a conversation once with Brian Cashman. I sat next to him at a dinner one night and we were talking about the Rays and, and the Yankees. And he said something about attendance. He said something like the standard, Oh, you know, I just wish the attendance was better. And I said to him, let me ask you something, Brian. If Yankee Stadium was located in the southern tip of Staten Island and there was no subway to get there, how do you think you'd draw? And he's like, terribly. Like, that's our problem. Where the trop is relative in the Tampa Bay area where, you know, there's once, if you look at that, a 10-mile radius of the trop, well, half of it is water, so no one lives there. The other half, that's, you know, St. Pete, once you get past, you know, downtown and along Beach Drive and Old Northeast, the uh, the demographics, the uh, the economics are, you know, lower income, a lot lower income than other places mm-hmm. in the in the area. Where are all the corporate uh, locations? Where are all the corporate uh, headquarters in the area? In Tampa, you know, the split, I think, is 75%, 25% season tickets to individuals 75 percent individuals 25 percent corporate almost every other market it's 75 percent corporate 25 percent individual corporate heads in tampa are not driving over that bridge i mean it's part of the culture here you don't go over traffic sucks all of these things so 
all of these things factored in. It's not that they're bad fans. I mean, we we finished 17th in local TV ratings, you know, on, on Bally Sports last year. It's not that they don't care. They just don't want to go to a place that's out of the way. Yeah, I I think that's a I think that's just been an ingrained convenient excuse though because it's true. I, you know, you you travel what over the bridge, it's an hour to get there. It's it, considering traffic around the trop, we'll say it's an hour to get back home. I understand that's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. I I get it, but it's not like people don't do that for I know plenty of people who go from St. Pete to Tampa to watch lightning games. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't care that it takes an hour and a half, uh, you know, traffic going to Tampa yeah, from St. Pete but, is way worse but in the, the rush hour. The, but the people who come from St. Pete to Tampa are the exception. I mean, most people, again, a lot more corporate season tickets are sold for the lightning. I mean, it yeah, is, no, I, I get it. I, uh, and, and I, also, I, Look, look at all the other places around around Major League Baseball. Where are stadiums located? In downtowns. I mean, other than Kansas City, Anaheim. I mean, there's not many locations where stadiums, ever since the Camden Yards you know, revolution of, of stadiums, are not in downtown or major areas. It, and, and the Trop, yes, ideally. Look, the Al Lang location that they were going for back in 08, or 09, whatever year it was that they, they gave up because, uh, uh, well, there they was were a afraid lot of for a vote. Politics. They were afraid to take the vote. Yeah. There was a lot of politics involved yeah. with, uh, boat owners, uh, losing, a, a, a some docks or something. Um, and, uh, but that's in the heart of downtown St. Pete, which back then, I don't know about now, but back downtown St. Pete destroyed downtown Tampa as far as nightlife of course. for a, a decade. Uh, I don't. I uh, Jeff Vinnick actually invested heavily in Channel Side and and all that stuff in Tampa, and he, uh, I'm gonna obviously not quote him directly, but he said we need downtown Tampa to be modeled after what downtown St. Pete's doing. Sure. Uh, if the stadium was there, I mean, look, I can go out on a Monday or Tuesday night downtown St. Pete, and there will be ten thousand people mulling. Like bars will be packed on a Monday and Tuesday night. There's a baseball stadium there selling reasonably priced tickets and drinks people would say yeah we might as well go there (laughs) but remember something though those people those ten thousand people on a monday night in saint pete live down there yeah you're not getting many people coming over the bridge and again if you get every single one of those ten thousand people going to the game you're still less than half of what the league average of attendance is but here's the thing though i think the attendance part of it is a little overblown it's yeah. not as important how many people are in the seats. It's the revenue they can drive out of that stadium. If they can get 15,000 people a night, but they're paying more money. Like when they say, oh, there's a $5 giveaway, they'll get people in the seats. That's a waste of time. I mean, that's they're probably losing money because they have to step, they have to stock up more security guards and more ushers and more of this stuff where for $5 a pop, those people aren't, I guarantee you, they're not spending $80, $90 on concessions. I guarantee it. They're not getting programs. They're not buying a jersey every time. They're just trying to get in. Otherwise, they would be going at a regular price. I right. It has to be centrally located. It has and forget the argument about the uh, by the fairgrounds because the, the the silliest argument is well, what about the Orlando people? Hey, <laughs> how how many people from Tampa Bay you think go to a Magic game? Fifty. 
maybe maybe yeah, yeah. well it's it's ridiculous if you're going to drive 90 minutes to get to a game you probably will drive an extra 45 minutes is my, yeah is my hunch <laughs> but the people who live in, in you know north pinellas pinellas st pete they're not driving over a bridge through a downtown through the i4 mess to get there you could forget the pinellas county population for that yeah so yeah. I don't know where we how we get off into this tangent, but I think it's about money, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think that's you know I don't even know why we're even talking about money, honestly. But the bottom lines are getting back to you know what the Rays need to do, you know, for this season. What where do you think about this team right now? I mean, you know, they're scuffling along right now because obviously they're they're missing lots of key guys. Are you? Let me ask you. Let me pose it to you in a question this way. Are you more concerned about getting into the playoffs or how they do once they get, if they get into the playoffs themselves? At this point, I would probably say more concerned about getting into the playoffs. Uh, it, you know, I, I was looking yesterday while I was incredibly frustrated with the game that was going on for, for multiple reasons. A lot of it just being, it was bad. Uh, there was a lot of bad luck yesterday. They're just unwatchable uh, lately too. They're just boring and unwatchable. Yeah. See Saturday's <laughs> game I thought was great. They, they, the bats were pretty good, but yeah, Sunday's game, it, it, it killed me because Cleveland was hitting the ball so soft and they were just so, they, I think it was the first inning where they hit a, a, a little blooper just inches over uh, Brandon Lau's glove. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the way they were running the bases, if he catches that ball, that's a triple play. Yeah. Because <laughs> no they were they were so – and he missed it by inches, and it wasn't his fault. But it's like that's just bad luck. The exit velocity off the bat was nothing. McClanahan's probably going to lose the Cy Young Award based on that outing, and it's unfortunate because he it wasn't his best game, but he didn't pitch nearly as bad, poorly as his line uh, was. But anyways, I, I think – Getting to the playoffs is now my concern because I look at the lineup and I say, all right, well, in three to four weeks, Margot's should be back. Wander Franco should be back. Um, uh, and I'm forgetting the other guy who should be back. Uh, Ramirez. Ramirez. Should back. Yeah, should be back. It's like that means if you look at the lineup now and you add those three and take out Chang and you take out, you know, uh, it's like – this should be, if anything, it's like, well, where are we going to bat Isak Paredes? Because I don't well, think we want to take his bat out. <laughs> it, it reminds me of 2008. Well, if you remember 2008, that lineup was eh. You know, it was the great pitching that, mm-hmm. you know, and it, the great pitching over 162 got us, you know, one division and everything. And if we could have, I mean, this year it's a wash because of all the injuries and stuff, but you can just get a lineup that's just competent. Again, mm-hmm. if you have, you know, Shane McClanahan, you have him as your anchor and your ace. Now, the thing is, you got to remember at a wild card series, it's not you can't line up your rotation as best you want. And thank God there's no one game playoff anymore, where at least if it's a three gamer, theoretically, you could still have your ace starting game one of a wild card and game one of a ALDS. So it's right. not as taxing on the lower seed team. But and again, if if, if Gladwell can come back and even if he provides a couple of innings, use him as an opener, yeah, or something like that. that that's a that, and have the the back end of the bullpen, 
you know, you, you, I, they already DFA'd Bard today. Guys like, you know, uh, Garza, these are scrubs, and they, yeah. they they should not be on on major league rosters. Guys like uh, Nick Anderson come back, Chargua comes back. Now all of a sudden, you're sliding all these other guys down, and you have two higher leverage guys coming back. And then a guy like Whistler when he comes back, who I bag on all the time, but all of a sudden he's not your second best reliever. Right. All of a sudden he's your fifth best, and I have no problem with him pitching the sixth inning of a game. I mean, to me. That's a pretty good six inning guy to have. Just Kevin Cash's insistence that he's a high leverage pitcher. Just that's why there's no more hair left hardly in this head. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I promise. And, and, and I promise I wouldn't Fairbanks talk about Kevin Cash. To, Fairbanks is starting to. Uh, I mean, he's been injured all year, but his first few outings were rough. But I, I think he's starting to get it together. That's a that's a big arm too. Sure, absolutely. That's that's my biggest concern with this team is I I look at McClanahan, who I think is probably, again, deserving of winning the Cy Young Award, uh, but pretty certain you can't trust that he's going to be able to pitch more than six innings, even in a postseason game. Well, uh, I trust him. I have, <laughs> I have no I have no trust in Kevin Cash keeping him in for six innings. I don't see, see, that's where, that's where I think we disagree a little bit. I don't think Kevin Cash has any say in how long Shane McClanahan gets the pitch. Uh, I think the front office has a book and it is, you pull him after this many innings or this many pitches. Uh, and uh, frankly, I, I think I, I can't say this for certainty, but remember when Joe Madden and the Rays kind of broke up a little bit uh, back in the day, I think it's because Joe Madden kind of rebelled against that book. All right. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring up Kevin Cash in this episode because people are tired <laughs> of hearing it, but now you've opened the floodgates and I'm going to, I want to throw out a theory to you, which I haven't brought up on this show yet. So don't hang up. Don't hit stop yet because this one you haven't heard yet. The Kevin Cash slash organizational methodology of this team. Do you think that's a factor in why, Several veterans have come here, have been have played poorly, and kind of badmouth their way out of here. Uh, I'm thinking of the Hunter Renfro's. I'm thinking of the Tommy Fams, guys that have come in and didn't stay very long, were traded pretty quickly, or you know weren't re-signed when they were available to be re-signed, and didn't have nice things to say on the way out because their guys are used to playing every day. They're used to they're at bats. They're used to playing traditional baseball and then seeing, and maybe not necessarily them, maybe not them, them getting pinch hit for it in the seventh inning, but seeing an ace getting pulled after four and two thirds innings. And they just know how baseball is supposed to be played. So do you think that has impacted some guys that have been here and could potentially some impact some free agents coming here of like, why yeah. do I want to play here with this, you know, goofy way they play, which hasn't proven to be, as successful as people think it is when you get into the postseason, just a theory. No, I, I, I think you're on to something there to be quite honest. I think that I, look, when the Rays started using the opener, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of veteran pitchers did, were speaking out about how the Rays organization was full of shit and it was a <laughs> horrible thing. I mean, and uh, by the way, now 
what team doesn't occasionally do that? Have a They'd rather do that or, than put a scrub in to start a game. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland did that uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, that's, that's now a, a, a methodology that gets used by every franchise across major league baseball and the Rays really, you know, they started to really push the opener a couple, a few years ago, but, they started having what Joe Madden referred to as bullpen days back in, I think, 09. Right. Where it was like, yeah, we're going to start, we're going to start bullpen. He's going to go two innings and then we're just going to mix and match the rest of the way. Uh, And again, people scoff at the race. They, you know, it's an interesting thing because it's, it's, I I do think it hurts their recruitment sometimes. Um, I think it helps when they're going after kind of that BC tier guy because they're like well look at what he did they did with you know all these other guys who look at what they did with ryan thompson he couldn't make it anywhere else and he's right now an established veteran pitcher uh, now he's considered a high leverage guy by (laughs) yeah i still don't like the high leverage part although he's been pitching a lot better lately he's been pitching pitching a lot better better lately Mm -hmm. uh but no i i think you're right and i do think that Again, this is more a hunch than a certainty. I think the manager makes less game day decisions, meaning cash, basically, uh, makes less game day decisions than the average team does. So I also wonder. I'll buy that. I don't know. Maybe there's definitely a framework and a structure that is brought down by, you know, upper management throughout the course of a season. I don't know when you get to the playoffs in the postseason. I don't know if they take, he takes out the binder and says, well, page 77 says in this situation, like, I don't think that uh, Blake Snell was pulled because of a, a, the bat call. The, the bat phone came from upstairs and they said, okay, he said his magic number. He has to come out. I think that was a, a cash decision. I don't know. I, I wonder, and, and this is part of my fear with this in a, in a kind of a big picture thing, even looking at Shane McClanahan, his last start, he needed to be pulled when he was pulled. I don't like that they put Thompson in for him, but he lost it. And part of me thinks, look, this guy reached 100 pitches one time all season. If you baby a guy so much, when he gets to 90, he's no longer capable of maybe pushing it another 10%, 20%. That's a problem. So I think – Blake Snell, I'm, I'm, I'll say, yeah, I think it was probably Kevin Cash's decision. But I think in his head, it was, well, you can't go through the lineup more than twice. And, and he's not used to throwing X amount of pitches. And I think that's a I think that is a fatal flaw when it comes to postseason play, to be quite yeah. honest. It works yeah. during the regular season over 162. But the postseason, I, I was explaining now I'm gonna to go- Mike's, now I'm going to go into rerun mode. This is my standard staying. So now if you want to hit stop, go ahead. But my <laughs> biggest problem with Kevin Cash is that his over overthinking about the 162-game schedule costs this team individual games, and I think too many individual games. I, I think worrying too much about the big picture when there's a game to be won right now, and it's in grasp. I mean, he pulled Shane out last start. 81 pitches. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't care. Everybody was, you know, is, is you know, they're going to bang on the bullpen for blowing it. But to me, the game was lost. And to me, that goes back to my my um, my theory about the vets. It, 
it has to say something in that clock, that clubhouse, and in that dugout when they're seeing their best pitcher, their best player, their Cy Young Award winner pulled for no reason. And it's just, it's, it's deflating. It's like, you know, players are competitors, and you're talking about the most competitive people on the planet, professional athletes who play in America. And they want to be put in the best position to succeed. And when you cut their legs out from them because of some, well, the, you know, the, the stats say in the third time, they're not going to buy it. It's just, yeah. you know, some mathematician said this. Exactly. Was number. <laughs> These aren't, this isn't Gary Kasparov versus IBM playing chess with just pawns that they're moving around a board. These are players who have to play the game. And I think that's very, uh, I think it's very deflating for a franchise for players. And I think that, uh, I think that adds up over time and you're probably right about Madden. Well, I, the only reason cash said something after that game where he got pulled at seven innings with only 81 pitches where he said something, Oh, we only had him slated to go six. His pitch count was low enough that we were. And I do remember Joe Madden would have a, inning slash pitch count limit on his pitchers, which I don't think was his decision. And this was in inside knowledge that I probably shouldn't be sharing to be yeah, honest. No one's but, listening to the show anyway. Go ahead. Good point. We had no sponsors so, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but but he he did. He would have there was a calculus. It was, you know, five innings, 90 pitches, or six innings, a hundred pitches, or seven innings, 105 pitches was acceptable. But if those any of those things went out of balance, he had to tug the pitcher and uh, and pull him out of the game too. But uh, bad joke. <laughs> but I, I do think <sighs> that <laughs> I do think that that I I my hunch is that part of the divorce between Madden and the Rays, which should have been much more cordial than it was, was I think partially because I think Joe Madden wanted to actually manage his team and not have the math wizards upstairs who, who do a great job overall. You might but, find this is, you might find this to be no surprise, but I was never a Joe Madden fan. I mean, I'm a, I'm a I, traditionalist because of managers, you know, I I'm all for analytics. I'm all for, but to me, you, the game is still has to be played by your best players and give me a sample size of six at bats. And somebody's three of six does not make any difference to me. If he's zero of six, your best players should be playing the majority of the time, unless there's something that's, egregiously bad. Like this guy's a career 140 hitter against lefties. Then that makes more sense. But if we're talking these small sample sizes against a career, against maybe a reliever he hasn't faced in two years, I think it's, there's too much reliance on that. I mean, you asked yeah. me, would I rather have Buck Showalter as manager or Kevin Cash? It's no, no debate for me. Oh, see, I would disagree with you all day. I think Buck is an old horse that needs to be put out to pasture. Yeah. But uh, look at that Mets team. That Mets team is not that good. You know, Roster wise, that roster, that Mets roster is not, it's, it, it's comparable to ours, even in sure. this little bit interstate and look what that team I, is doing. I will say, so, so one thing that I, again, this is something I don't think I believed until I was in the, in the trenches. I mm-hmm. will say, I think the manager's biggest job has nothing to do with game day decisions. I think the manager's biggest job is actually off off the field mm-hmm. sure uh that's why that's where i think joe madden shined the most is he figured mm-hmm. out ways to inspire and build camaraderie i remember uh 
this was in the 08 off season. This was in the Ray Namoli complex. I was sitting with my people and Joe Madden came in. He's like, oh, we're signing Barry Bonds, according to the news, huh? Because that was a, I don't know if you remember, that was the rumors that Barry mm-hmm. Bonds. And he's like, fuck no, we got Cliff Floyd as our, sorry, I shouldn't have said the F word. but Oh, go ahead. No one's listening anyway. <laughs> we got Cliff Floyd as our DH and he is such a great clubhouse guy. People love him and respect him. He's bringing the team together. He's like, He's like, I wouldn't damage what we have between Cliff Floyd, Percival, and Eric Hinsky. He's like, I wouldn't damage that to sign Barry Bonds in a million years. Uh, he's like, now, if we can get him cheap, I'll figure out a way to get him at exactly. that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, dumping Cliff Floyd off this roster, to cutting his at-bats because, you know, we, we can get Bonds cheap. And well, it's that, interesting. What's going to be interesting on this team is you're going to start getting guys used to be, you know, the payroll was so low that everybody made nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple of guys, maybe a couple of vets came in that made some money or a guy like Longoria who's been there forever. But now all of a sudden, you know, they're opening the purse a little bit, you know, Wander's going to be making way, way, way more than everybody else. And mm-hmm. again, as we get closer to 2027, you're going to start seeing God is going to become more of a have and have not in that clubhouse. So it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge how any manager, Kevin Cash, the next guy after him handles egos and mm-hmm. handles those relationships. No, I agree. I think that's a potential problem. I, I know Kevin Cash kind of personally, our sons played in the same flag football league and, and, you know, so I've, I've had interactions with him. Even when I worked for the Rays, he was a player on the Rays. Right. I don't remember talking to him at all because he was a bum. But anyway, see. he's a knoll, too. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, right. That, that too. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a challenge for him because Wander Franco and look, Shane McClanahan, judging from this franchise's, you know, uh, history probably going to be in line for a massive extension here also because they like to lock these guys up early right um mcclanahan you know he's a good old Lau gets a nice piece of change right now Lau, yeah and and him coming back to the lineup makes things look a lot better even though it's not really making a huge difference um it will i mean over over time it will the problem is you can't rely on him for this game it's like yeah, he's a sample size guy. The more sample size you get, the better he is. But you know, it's, it's he hits kind of the way Cash manages. It's like okay, over one sixty two, it's all going to look nice. But you know something, if I need you in a, a short series or this one individual game, can I count on you? Uh, don't know about that. No, I don't. I don't have trust there. Look, the offense has been so reliant on Yandy Diaz. You know, he's getting. I think he's thirty now, so he's kind of getting mm-hmm. up there but i wouldn't mind looking at you know making him a long-term deal because he's the kind of player that ages well i think i mean his size and, is different but the way he hits those are guys who can hit into their late 30s because he's got a sharp eye and he he isn't a power and he's the type of guy that's not going to command he's also not going to command a huge paycheck either he's not a guy who's right. going to hit 30 homers and 120 rbis he's going to hit 280 with a high on base percentage walk, get on base a lot, play solid defense, you know, just be, he's a guy that if this lineup was completely healthy, he'd be like, this guy's so valuable. He's a perfect piece. He's mm-hmm. being asked to be 
more than what his skill set probably is because just quite frankly, you know, we only have four normal guys playing right now. So right. he's being relied on more than than normal. But you're right. So I could definitely see him getting, you know, uh, a deal like uh, Margot got, for example. Exactly. Yeah. That kind of deal I think would be great for him. Okay, we're about to wrap up, but really quickly, what do you see in the next uh, couple of weeks? We got a short series against Toronto coming up. I mean, we just need to keep treading water for now and just hope for the best until these guys get healthy. If they can manage to play like 500 ball and just not lose so many more players uh, <laughs> until we get Franco back and Margot back and Ramirez back, I mean, you get those three guys back. Ramirez, I still think, is a platoon guy, even though he's having a great year. But but regardless, you get those guys back in the lineup, you're going to score a run more per game, I would say, mm-hmm. on, on average, at least. And, you know, look, most of the Rays' games are pretty tight games. So one run a game more is going to lead to a lot more wins. Sure. So, yeah, tread water and and just please, God, stay healthy. And uh, me personally, I know the Rays aren't going to do this. I'd be trying to stretch out my starters a little bit because until the bullpen actually comes back and shows that they're healthy, I'm not going to trust that I can get three shutout innings from my bullpen come postseason time. So I would like Shane McClanahan to be able to go seven or eight innings. I'd like Rasmussen to be able to go six, maybe seven innings. Uh, I think six is the minimum. I mean, I think these guys, you know, they're at 90 pitches. They're at five and a third. They got to go six. I mean, yeah, if you only have to rely on your bullpen, for, if you can rely on your bullpen for three innings a night, and that way, you know, again, that way, instead of having five relievers come in every night and six, you're using three or four. Then you're cooking with gas a little bit because then you're cutting down that rotation. It's like basketball in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, you play in the regular season, you play 11 guys, 10 guys. Teams cut down rotations in the postseason, you know, down mm-hmm. to eight guys. Baseball seems to be the opposite, where you know, all of a sudden your your relief your starter goes two and a third in the postseason, and you're using twelve relievers. And besides making it a five hour game and pretty boring, it's I don't think it's having more guys in is more of a chance someone's not going to pitch well, and you're right. trying to minimize. You want your best players playing. So, yeah, this is dangerous times. We just have to get through this. I mean, if we can get through this and we can get one of those playoff spots, again, with our rotation and our A bullpen, we can we could play and we could beat anybody in this short series. It's just got to get there is what I'm worried about. Right. Where can and, we, and uh, look, we've, what? We've, Go we've got the bat. We've got the bat talent where we've seen Randy Rosarena carried through an entire series on his mm-hmm. bat, you know, a couple of years ago. We've got the bad talent that one or two guys get hot. That's that's all. That's good enough. You sure. know, we've got the talent that a couple guys could get hot for a series if the pitching is there. Yeah, who who knows? Jeff, where can we find you besides on this wonderful YouTube channel we both share? Uh, yeah, well, Bolts and Bats in the Bay uh, is a podcast, usually audio only for FL teams. And hey, you can go to. Uh, if you like uh, comedy and kind of lighter stuff, you can uh, listen to the <laughs> Jeff Macalino podcast. And uh, I've got a YouTube channel, too, where I the main thing I do is show podcast clips and I uh, eat new fast food items while I'm intoxicated. So that's 
you know, uh, <laughs> after nine innings of the Rays, comedy is probably what we all need. So it's you know very depressing watching these games. So I strongly yeah. recommend that. Uh, you can catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, uh, my companion podcast, the Just Giants podcast, with myself and the Football Grump as we get into training camp with the Giants. I know none of you people care, but if you know for some reason you are a snowbirdy New York fan who's moved down to Florida and you still like the Giants and you like the Rays, come on over and check us out. Uh, training camp is starting, so check us out there. So for Jeff Macalino and all of our friends at the FL Teams channel and for the sponsors who have yet to sign up with us, thanks for watching and go Rays. All right. <laughs>